Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 15 of Revelation chapter 13, and we're continuing to look in verse 10. Revelation 13, verse 10. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And we looked at the first part of this verse. Last time we saw that um, if any leader gather into captivity, he will go into captivity. And if any um, kill with the sword he must be killed with a sword. And we saw how that applies to Satan and his forces during the Great Tribulation. They were gathering together into captivity when they overcame the church. And and God had given up the church to Satan, to the beast. And uh, they also killed with the sword, as spiritually many died within the churches and congregations of the world in the sense that they believed the lie. They stayed within the church, trusting their pastor, trusting their church leadership, and not trusting the word of God that was warning them to flee and to come out of the church. And and so they ended up being killed with the sword, just as the Lord Jesus Christ is viewed in the Bible as has a sword protruding from his lips, indicating the word of God. Well, Satan comes looking like Christ. He comes as an angel of light, and he uses the sword of the Bible. But, of course, he he twists it and turns it and does violence to the scriptures, and he'll have things sound as close as possible to the truth, and yet he will also make sure there is part lie. And with that sword... He does kill spiritually, and of course he can only kill those that are not God's elect. He's never been able to kill one true believer or or individual that was chosen by Christ unto salvation from the foundation of the world, and and who Christ died for. He's never been able to do that. He's greatly desired to do that, has always been attempting to do that, but he could never get it done. He he could never kill one of those that the Lord had his hand upon. And so this gathering into captivity and killing with the sword can only be referring to the unsaved. Well, then the last part of the verse we looked at a little bit, which says, here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now, the the Greek word translated as here means here. It means um, in this spot, in this location, or in this time, and not another. For instance, in John 6, in verse 9, it says, There is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? 
and the lad is in in another town. He he's not a hundred miles away. He's right here with us. And also in John chapter eleven, it says in verse twenty one, then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And that's the word. And and uh, it's an obvious meaning what Martha is saying to the Lord Jesus. As Lazarus died physically, Christ was not there. He was in other towns, other places. He was not where Lazarus was. And Martha is saying, if you had been here. Well, that's what God is saying concerning this context. Now, let's again uh, step back, take an overall look at the context of Revelation 13 which is the loosing of the beast, Satan, who was bound for the figurative thousand years, has finally been loosed. He comes up out of the sea. His deadly wound is healed. He overcomes the saints, we were told in verse 7, and all that are unsaved in the world, all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. It's a time of tremendous success for Satan and his kingdom, and it's the time of the end, the great tribulation, and God, uh, after telling us all this information that Satan and his forces will lead into captivity and kill with the sword, yes, finally, they also will be brought to captivity, and they also will be killed, but in the context God has laid out, it is one of total conquest by Satan at the time of the end, which identifies with the judgment on the church because it speaks of him overcoming the camp of the saints or making war with the saints and overcoming them. And at the time of the great tribulation um, that we read of in Matthew 24, which has the same elements in view that we're finding in Revelation 13. And in that context... God says, here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now, um, that means only one thing, that the children of God, the people of God, the elect, will be on the earth in the time of the Great Tribulation. Well, obviously, you say, of course they will. Well, it's not so obvious to many. Actually, there are many churches and many theologians that have said that no, no, there will be a rapture of the saints before the Great Tribulation, before that period comes. Uh, how they call that? Um, yeah, pre-trib rapture, because the saints will be raptured before the Tribulation. It is taught by some uh, dispensational churches, and and it is laid out in commentaries by theologians. And God here is saying that is not so. It, it is not a possibility. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And you'll need patience because you are going to go through the Great Tribulation. You're not going to be taken out of the world. 
You're not going to be raptured before that time. It is my plan for you to go through the Great Tribulation, and that will also demonstrate faith. And again, that's contrary to much teaching of certain churches concerning their end-time scenario of what they believe will happen, that they believe the Bible teaches. And and yet this verse is very clear. God isn't saying here is um, the patience and the faith of the corporate church. It's the saints. And since it's referring to patience and faith of the saints at a time when the church is, is not showing either of those traits, the church um, lacks patience, it lacks faith, it lacks trust in the word of God. No, there's, there's no doubt that this is speaking of the true believers, that they will be on the earth. And of course, now in our time, it, uh, we have gone through the Great Tribulation, and we are in a period of post-tribulation. We're living in those days after that tribulation. And the Bible does say in Mark thirteen twenty four, there is a period of days. And that's a quote. In those days after that tribulation, the sun is darkened and the moon will not give its light. And, and um, I've never heard anyone, anyone who who says, oh no, the, we're, we're not in judgment day, the tribulation didn't end. Never heard anyone explain why the Bible speaks of a period of days, plural, after the tribulation. How can that be? How does that fit in with their idea that Christ comes at, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, he might come today, he might come tomorrow, and then that's it. It, 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 the world is over, it's judgment day. Well, um, where are those days after the tribulation? How do they fit in? And now we know. We know perfectly that God is speaking of the days after May 21, 2011, because that ended the 23-year Great Tribulation period, and we've lived uh, over three years since that point. We've lived in those days after that tribulation, and... It has been a severe test of patience and, and, and faith also, which um, God will direct us into that area, into discussing that maybe a little later. But right now, the focus is on the Great Tribulation with Revelation 13 and this statement that here, right at the time of Satan's loosing, when the beast is winning when he has the world following him like never before, when iniquity is multiplying across the face of the earth, when the churches are apostate and there has come a falling away first, and the time when God is judging the church and uh, everything just seems so uh, hopeless for the truth, hopeless for the word of God and for those that love the truth of the Bible, uh, how can all these things uh, have gotten so bad so quickly and 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 yet God is is saying, okay, this is all according to my plan and 
at this point, your patience will be tried and severely tested. And we were tried and tested during the Great Tribulation by the circumstances of the increase of sinfulness in the world as the world just more and more uh, began to toss aside the law of God, the commandments of God that had some authority to some degree over the world for a period of time in the past. And, and now, oh, we don't care about Sunday the Sabbath. We don't care about divorce being wrong. We can divorce and marry as we please. We can marry two, three, four, five, six times. It's not all that important. We can have gay rights and, and gay pride, and there can be promiscuity and fornication and and so forth. The law of God has been cast aside uh, like never before because it is part of God's plan. The Holy Spirit that was holding back the iniquity that was always within the hearts of men as men were desperately wicked and they had hearts that were deceitful above all things at all throughout time. That was the nature of unsaved people. Yet the mystery of iniquity was that God restrained their sin. But now the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way. He who holdeth will hold, it says in Second Thessalonians 2, until he be taken out of the way. And he was taken out of the way. And now it, it was like the opening of the dike. The, the dam burst. The floodgates, uh, were just completely demolished and iniquity like thousands upon thousands of gallons of water rushed through the hearts of men and came forth out of their mouths and out of their lives and out of their minds. And just uh, everywhere men now did what they had always lusted after, always desired to do deep down within, and yet these things were held back. And now they could not only do them, but God had arranged for the electronic medium to develop and progress to such a degree that they had more access and ability to do these things and and it was as though what Satan had said to the Lord Jesus as he tested him and tempted him in the wilderness. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said, bow down to me and I'll give you all these. Well, now with television and movies and computers, you, you could have the whole world before your eyes. Whatever your particular sin weakness was, just type it out, click, and there you are. You can have your fill. And and certainly it was as though God was ripening the world, giving them their evil heart's desire to the fullest to give them finally what they had craved. All through time, man just wanted to be free of the constraint of the law of God, and now he is. And and this is only the, the final preparation 
for man's destruction. Just like we read in the Bible that the Israelites lusted after meat and they murmured and cried and and criticized the people of God that God had placed an authority over them, Moses and Aaron. And, oh, if only we were in Egypt and, and we could have the food we had in Egypt. And, and then God determined to give them their heart's desire to satisfy their lust. And he, he brought the quails and had them drop all over the camp and all over the area so that it would be possible for them to eat 30 days. And yet, while the food was in their mouth, the Lord brought a plague. And, and that's the idea. You, you want this and you are never going to be happy until you get this very well. Here it is, but it's for your destruction. And that's what God has done in allowing the world to finally obtain the evil desires it has always wanted. And, and also just look at the world. Just look what happens when men are able to get what they want, when people are able to finally go after and get a hold of the things that, that they want that are apart from God, when men are free to pursue wickedness and it's, it's just chaos. It, it's, uh, incredibly desolate in the world. Hardly any good can be seen when, when people, uh, have what they have lusted after. Well, I think we got a little bit off track here, but again, God is saying here, and this is when it began, when Satan was loose, the beginning of the great tribulation that began the time of the end, that began the period of the final testing of the people of God, wherein it would be necessary for them to have patience and faith. And yes, both of those things are residing in Christ. He is our patience. He is our faith. And if we have Christ, then we'll have patience. Then we'll have faith. We'll have the Spirit of God. And and through the Spirit, there'll be fruit of the Spirit. And we'll uh, start to show forth similar fruit to the Lord Jesus Christ, which would include patience and faith. Well, the, the word patience, the Greek word patience here, is Strong's number 5281. And uh, I would pronounce it hupo. No eo. And, uh, and believe me, that's not a good pronunciation. Hupo no eo. And it is from Strong's 5278. Uh, 5278 is hupo meno. Hupo meno. And hupo meno uh, is a compound word. Uh, it's a Greek word made up of two words. Hupo means under kept under. And meno means to stay or to abide, endure, tarry, continue. And uh, for instance, in John 15, we find uh, meno, which is 3306 in Strong's Concordance. In John 15, 
Menno is, is used many times. We're not going to read it all, but from verses 4 through 11, it's found seven or eight times at least. It says in John 15, 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. Every time we read the word abide, that's the Greek word meno, which is 3306. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. And then down in verse 9 of John 15, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. And that's the same word, meno. So abide ye in my love. Continue. And then in verse 10, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, or continue in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. So again and again, to abide means to continue. Not to follow um, a doctrine or a teaching for a while. And, and then when persecution or affliction ariseth for the word's sake, you fall away. Remember, that's one of the examples Christ gave in a parable concerning the sowing of the seed, which pointing to the word of God that's sown on the hearts of men. And some do endure for a while, but they do not abide. They do not continue. Well, Jesus is saying, um, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. And what is love? If you love me, keep my commandments. Keep obeying the word of God. Keep um, submitting to the Word of God, doing the Word of God, that that is abiding in Christ, abiding in the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the truth of the Bible, is the evidence of a child of God. And someone who ceases to abide, they they no longer continue in the Word of God, in a truth. Of course, there can be correction. If we were wrong uh, on a point, if a true believer was in error on something, he receives correction. That That's not what Christ is talking about. Of course, certainly he wouldn't want us to continue in an error. But when there is a true teaching, a faithful teaching, a, a right doctrine that is arrived at through God's own methodology of comparing Scripture with Scripture, and the conclusion harmonizes with all the Bible says, abide, continue in that, continue in that doctrine. And and uh, today we see some that do not continue. They have turned back. They have ceased to abide in certain doctrines. And why? Have they proven them wrong? Have they proven the biblical calendar of history is in error? That uh, therefore the um, Great Tribulation date is incorrect? And the, the date for judgment beginning on the church is incorrect? Have they, have they found an error and now they made correction? No. They just stopped following. They, they made a determination. Well, I don't like this. 
and in all probability it's based on tribulation and affliction arising for the word's sake, which in the aftermath of May 21, 2011, and, and many were very, uh, critical and, and there was much reviling going on and, and so they didn't want to associate with the word that was uh, the focus of the reviling or with those that were identified with the word. And and so they took steps back. They went away. And the problem is, though, those things are true. Those things are faithful. Those things, therefore, are taught by the Bible. Those things are Christ. Because Christ and the Bible, the word of God, you, you can't separate. Uh, he is the Word made flesh. And therefore, if they're, if they're stepping back from those things that are true to the Bible, right doctrine, they are stepping back from Christ. They are not abiding in those points. And of course, that's a very dangerous thing. And, and, um, a, a very tragic thing for anyone to do. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.